Hello, this is Adrian Savino, and you're listening to The Circulator. On this episode of The Circulator, we're joined by Ryan Serhant. Ryan is the star of Million Dollar Listings and one of the most successful real estate brokers in the industry. He recently founded Serhant, a brokerage that firm that drives success through innovative content and amplification. The Serhant team consists of more than 60 experienced agents and marketing support staff, ranked the number one sales team in New York by the Wall Street Journal for three straight years, and among the top teams in the nation for the better part of a decade, the Serhant team has closed over $4 billion in sales across New York, L.A., and Miami. Ryan was born in Houston, Texas, grew up outside of Boston, and graduated from Hamilton College in 2006. He currently lives in Brooklyn, New York with his wife, Amelia, and their daughter, Zena. Ryan, welcome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. Um, I've been doing kind of a deep dive into your online presence. Not that you know I haven't done that in the past, but I think load management in terms of uh, what I've come away with is you know the, the first topic I want to cover. How do you kind of juggle you know everything with your personal, professional life? Obviously, the brokerage opening, new family man. Just want to kind of understand that, and I heard one of the bits you just put out about the uh, paradox of individualism. So, kind of figuring out, you know, what face to put on, you know, as you leave the house each day, whether it's CEO, <laughs> whether it's you know, uh, dad, whether it's you know, sales broker, whatever you want to, you know, say. How do you yeah. kind of uh, juggle those things? I think my secret sauce is capacity. Right. Um. Like uh, I learned a long, long time ago that I was. I was not comfortable just doing one thing and hoping it works out. Right. Like so many people have one job. Like what happens if you get fired? Like what happens if that job becomes uh, irrelevant in the marketplace? You know, like <laughs> what you bet you bet your whole life, your career on doing one thing now, you know, now in 1952, 100%, like obviously. But now um, and I was never really comfortable with that. Like I I want to be the master and commander of of my destiny. And the only way to do that is to diversify and do multiple things, um, uh, at least have the plan to do so. And so the only way that you can physically do that is through other people. And like so many people are focused on the money. Well, that's my job. It's my salary. Well, I need my bonus, my money, my money, my money, my money. Sure. The people who are focused on the money are the people that don't have the money, right? The people that don't make the money, the people that are focused on the work and on the growth and on building and on scaling. Those are the people who make the most. Um, and I learned that in like 2010 and just started scaling, right? Like I was building a real estate team when te there was no real estate teams. All individuals. You, you, you were an individual real estate agent. Sure. Maybe you had an assistant. Maybe you had one partner. That was it. And I was like, no, I, I want to build a hundred person team. People are like, what? That's that's like a company. Why would you do that? I'm like, because I can't. Why would I, why would I not do that? I'm like, well, but you're going to give commissions to other people. I'm like, yeah, because instead of doing 10 deals and taking it all on my own, I'm going to do 250 deals and make lower commission on 250, but then I'm going to do nine times my income. Like, why did you guys not do math? Why wouldn't I Most do this? Most people just don't do math. Right. And so that capacity and scale um, has enabled me to do multiple things. Now, listen, it is not easy. Like right now, I, I run three businesses. We have an education business. I've got a brokerage business. We have a media business. And I have life, right? Then I have TV shows, I've got books, podcasts, content all day, every day. I, I have a wife, I think I gotta see her sometime. I have a baby now. I gotta she gotta know that I exist. Um, I work out, like I gotta eat at some point. And so and I do it all through people. Right. right? People, people, people. There's eight billion people on this planet. The the people who figure out how to put those people to work for you are gonna be the most successful people in the next generation. Right. And you, you talked a little bit about like sharing, sharing the mic or both using mics, but turn like kind of sharing the load management, you know, distributing, delegating, 
How did yeah. that, you know, how did while you scaled, I guess I should say, how did that really benefit the the opportunity to focus your time on, you know, biz dev or going out and meeting clients and letting the other people that you've kind of hired the pillars, I think you mentioned the yep. pillars kind of run each of their, you know, respective parts of the business. So it, it's like parenting, right? You can't get mad at people for not understanding your brain. Like you can't get mad at them if you don't tell them what to do and they do their own thing. Okay. Um, management is all about setting clear and concise expectations and training. Right. You got to put in the work. You got to put it in the training to the people. And the best part about people is like they're better than machines. They'll they'll take what you told them and then they'll take initiative and good people will do more than you told them. A computer, you tell it what to do and it does a thing. Now you got to tell it to do another thing and then another thing and another thing. It's great. You don't have to do that work, right? I don't have to sit here and do math anymore in my head. I don't even need a calculator, Okay. Um, uh, but if you do the training and you teach the people what you want and how you want it, set those clear and concise and super honest expectations, um, you can get incredibly far through other people. I think most people are just embarrassed about what they feel is like what they honestly want. Like, well, I can't tell them that because I, uh, then they won't work for me or then they won't like me. Like, then, dude, you should find somebody else, you know, or you should I don't know, check yourself out, you know, kind of maybe, maybe re, re, reanalyze what your expectations are. Um, uh, but if you're clear, concise, and honest, like you can get really, really far with scaling human power. Right. And you, so you've hired, you're empowering people, you're sharing the mic, you're getting them kind of out of bed, you know, motivated. Now yeah. the second piece is kind of building, you know, where they work, how they work. So the clubhouse concept that you've kind of built out, you know, is reading yeah. through, I think the real deal put out you avenues, I forget who else, but you guys talked about the kind of the conception of this clubhouse in Soho building this. Yep. I think I, I saw you plant the, uh, the flag a couple of days ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just watching your head pop up over the other side of that little water tower, wherever you were climbing yeah, up. Yeah. I was like, what is this guy doing right now? So, yeah. um, build the clubhouse. You have these hot desks. Kind of give me some, some you know, understanding of like the brokerage of the future. What, what's going on there? Listen, I, I'm a big believer in the future of work being collaborative, right? And not individualized. Um, I don't think anybody is getting, is excited about a, 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 a cubicle. I don't think anyone's excited by closed door meetings. And I think my future rock star is currently 16 years old. Right. And they've got one screen open with Fortnite on it at all times, <laughs> not because they just like playing video games. Okay. It's because they like being a part of that community. Right. Fortnite success, World of Warcraft success, Minecraft success, okay, uh, Web3 success is all about digital community. How can you be a part of something sure. so that you can talk about it the next day? You can meet new people. That's what it, that's why, that's why all this stuff works, right? It's not just platform, it's community. Um, uh, and so our clubhouse concept is, it was really from, look, look at the brokerages that are out there today, right? Public companies, you know, Douglas Elliman, uh, Compass, stock is brutal for both of them it's pretty brutal and all of them morning. are like oh we got to figure out how to reduce our office space and they're both super traditional companies they have mass mass overhead um compass put out a report yesterday like they took a loss in the first quarter of this year a loss of 188 million dollars they fired their fourth cfo like like what what is going on <laughs> what, like what is what, what what are people investing in how does that make any sense um uh like it's not it's, it's it's not real and so like we 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 will only have a couple clubhouses everything else the brokerage is 100 percent in the cloud 
agents have really, really high splits. They run around, they do their business. If they want to open up their own offices, they can branchise. Let's go. I want to empower my agents as entrepreneurial salespeople, not as numbers that I can be excited about for agent growth. It doesn't mean anything anymore. No one cares. So I want people who come to me who want to build a business in a box, who want to do what I did, and I'm going to teach you how. Go off, let's crush it together, and you can make all your own decisions. Like That's what it's about. Right. And you know, obviously pick an amazing location. So you're building the physical. Uh, what, tell me a little bit more about the, the metaverse piece of it. You know, you want to appeal to this younger demographic you're talking about hiring, you know, a younger yeah. person, helping them into the, you know, the, the current world, but also help them, you know, for, for now and 10 years down the road. You know, you always talk about what Ryan's doing in 10 years, the 40-year-old Ryan. Like, what are you, how are you helping these people kind of come along once you hire them, you know, and how is the, the metaverse piece of this kind of playing into that? Yep. So, um, so the metaverse isn't just about, well, so we've been, we've been working on building a virtual world is what I call it sure. um, for like two years now. It's not, it, we call it metaverse now because it's trendy and because of Facebook. Um, uh, uh, what I care about most isn't just younger people, right? I mean, obviously they're the future of the world, et cetera. Um, what I care about is how do you scale culture virtually? Right. If you're a real estate agent, you're a salesperson, you're one of our course members, you're all around the world. Like, I'm not worried about the agents who are here in New York City who get to come to our clubhouse in Soho, but that's the smallest, smallest headcount I'm ever going to have. If you're in Tennessee, Colorado, you know, Mexico City, you're in Canada, you're in Seoul, Korea, how do you, how do you feel like you're a part of our culture and part of our community if we don't have a clubhouse where you are? There's no physical presence. Like, you don't get excited about your email address. You don't get excited about the dot com, right, or some signage that you could print out. So the virtual world, what we built, and it's called Universe, um, enables everyone in our ecosystem to engage on a level playing field. You can look like you want to look. You can be whoever you want to be, dress like you want to dress, use the internet, and converse with people, sell property, get everything you want done, and leave the screen up at all times as if you are 14 playing video games because you're a part of that community. And that's that is super important. Yeah. And that'll help, uh, you know, scale a lot. Yeah, it's really, really important. Because um, otherwise, like my my competitors, they go to a new market, they meet new agents, new agents say, okay, what does it mean for me to be an ex-agent? And the competitors are like, I don't know. <laughs> like, they, they don't have answers. No answer, right. Like, well, in New York, we're the best, or we're this, we're that. It just is not great. Any, um, anyone uh, can be the number one agent in, you know, the various polling or, you know, yeah. Wall Street Journal, this or that. Um, yeah. Anyone can kind of make that claim. But if you're actually doing it in practice, it's it's way more impactful. Yes, 100%. And is this something that you're bringing to, you know, recently launched the Hamptons Outpost? Is this something that is going to be, is it going to feel the same as the clubhouse in Soho? Is this going to be a separate yeah. brand within? How are you? I know branding oh. is consistent. You want to keep it the same, I assume. Yeah, the corporate the corporate houses, of which we'll only have a handful, um, uh are all on brand. They're all very similar, but they're they're location specific. So, like the New York one feels a bit industrial. Sure. You know, it's very content heavy. Um, you know, it's it's also slightly a little more corporate because it's a lot of the executive offices and team. Yeah, as it should um, be, right? The Hamptons one. The Ham I'm sorry. As it should be. You know, it, yeah. it should have kind of that feel to it. Yeah, the Hamptons. Uh, the Hamptons uh, outpost mm -hmm. is is a compound. It's multiple buildings over like a huge amount of land it's nuts it's super cool where um, in, where in the hamptons is it it's on the border of watermill and bridge hampton okay it's off cool. highway um it's uh uh it's it's a 
really tough commercial location. Like the reason we were able to get it is because our business model enables us to like repurpose retail space that no one else would work for. Right. Like that space is a destination, right? Which for real estate agents is totally fine. And because it's on such a busy road, just like our Soho space, um, it's half advertising more than anything. Right. You know? Um, and so uh, it's, 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 it's the same theme. It's a clubhouse, it's a content house, it's work. There's hot desks, conference rooms, right? Very, very, very tech enabled. Like the whole thing is really, really cool. Um, uh, but it's got like a beach vibe. Like there's surfboards and stuff. Right. <laughs> I don't know. There's no surfboards in, in so uh, surfing in the East no. River would be gross. No, no, no. Um, so we've talked about, you know, obviously hiring, empowering, you know, setting up the actual physical location, metaverse, you know, your universe. Um, in terms of your clients. So I was watching, uh, I'm not sure if you watched the... Um, is sorry hold on one second um new york by design they had an uh, episode with um with rockwell with david rockwell yeah and he was going through waterline square um and they were showing the waterline club and he was talking about how you know he kind of came to um develop you know development or architecture through a love for theater and he yes. said something along the lines of you know the theater is nothing without audience and he said the uh kind of the design and how he builds buildings would be nothing without the people that are, you know, living or, you know, breathing in those buildings. So I kind of wanted to understand coming from, you know, kind of a theatric, you know, theatrical background, um, how does this sentiment kind of resonate? And like, how do you bring that idea? And, you know, if you're working with a developer on a project, how do you kind of get involved and kind of guide them on that stuff? Um, so we work with developers from the ground up on every project that we do for the most part. You know, from the moment they select a site or we help them select it and we position the site to them uh, through the understanding of the entire envelope, what it's going to be, what the legacy is going to be, what makes it unique, what makes it special and how the building community will interact with one another. Um, uh, why is it? Why is why? What is the brand? Right. New construction condominiums are are as much about brand as they are about utility. People aren't just buying white walls. They're not just buying brick and mortar, steel, glass. They're buying. They're buying into brand, right? They want to say they live at 520 Park Avenue. They want to say they live, you know, at Gurney's in Montauk. They want to say they live on that street. Sure. Um, you know, and it's location, location, location. At the end of the day, for price point anywhere in the world, you know, you could have the greatest house ever, um, but if it's in the middle of nowhere, who the hell is ever going to want it? Right. You know, you saw that with like. You know, there's like 50 cents house. There was an episode of Million Dollar Listing that we did um, for a while. Like 50 cent had a compound of a house, yep. like the biggest house ever. Random location in Connecticut. No, no one wanted it. He literally had to sell it to himself as a as a charitable write off and took the loss and gave it to his charity for right. underprivileged kids I saw because that. literally no one wanted that house. Right. Um, but had it been another location, might have sold in a day. Sure. Um, so we really focus on community with our developers. We look at target markets. We use a lot of data. We're, we're pretty data driven so that we're not just shooting from the hip, right? The future most times is, is predicted by looking at history. So if I can look at the history of a location or similar locations, look at census data, look at growth data, then I can usually pretty well um, uh, anticipate and predict Kind of future locations and what's going to happen here. Um, like one of our, our 
pieces of tech in our tech stack is called the Future Index, which takes API feeds from around New York City. For now, it's our first location we're doing it um, from the last 50 years of information and helps us anticipate price per foot block by block for the next 25. Right now, obviously, anything can happen. And right. the further out we go, the less reliable the data is going to be. But like if the city is doing X, Y, and Z, and this is happening, and this is happening on a corner, no one really knows about it, right? Buyers aren't gonna know about it, agents don't know about it, um, but we can know about it, the system will, based on historical trends, when the city has done that type of work on a different corner, anywhere else in the city, the average price per square foot jumps $27, something like that, right. you know? And that's that's usable data to have. So of course. we kind of mix all of that together and, and try to be as successful as we can. So pricing is one, obviously, you know, piece of the advisory you're giving these uh, developers. Like, how early are you typically getting involved, you know, uh, outside of the pricing, which obviously is, is fun, the more so like the programming of the building, how people yeah. will engage with the space. Talk to me about a project that you're kind of excited about, new one that you've been involved, you know, from the get, um, have brought, you know, everything kind of to market. And <laughs> bless you. Excuse me. Okay. All right. Allergies are, are tough this time of year. Um. <laughs> But yeah, bring me through kind of a, a project you're excited about that you've really worked, you know, uh, kind of hands on with with the developer from, you know, maybe conception, whether it's, you know, uh, buying sure. the, the land and, and per, yep. you know, planning the building, the, the entire thing. Um, there's a lot, I would say. Anyway, you don't have to pick a one. one we're doing. There's, there's, uh, uh, there's a we're, uh, we're doing a fun project right now. Brooklyn Waterfront. Um, it's about halfway constructed now, uh, which is cool. Uh, we've been involved from its inception, um, from when the developer secured the land, I want to say in like 2016. Okay. Um, it's quite the process. We uh, took a look at it. It's oceanfront and it's long, right? So the width of the property is much, much, much longer than, um, sorry, the, the depth of the property is much longer than the width on the water. So, and something like that in New York City, okay, you want to maximize water views. How do you do that? You also want to maximize uh, sellable square footage. So how do you do that? Right. Um, uh, you want to maximize also sellable units. So on a site like that, do you do townhouses? Do you do towers? Do you do a mixture? Do you do rentals? Do you do condos? What do you do? Once we make those determinations, okay, what, what's the amenity necessary? What, what amenities are needed um, uh, to supply, you know, the best price points and the right buyer base? Um, do you need parking? Do you not need parking? What's the retail going to be? Um, uh, what amenity package is going to be there? Do we need a pool? Do we need a gym? Do we need a children's playroom? Do we need a teen playroom? Do we need conference rooms now? Do we need work from home offices on the second floor so people don't have to work from their kitchens? You know, do we need outdoor space that's common or public or private? We, we have a whole process that takes a long time that you go through to really try to narrow down what to do. Um, anyway, the project is called The Huron. It's on Huron um, and basically the, the East River. Um, uh, you can see it from the FDR. It's really, really big. It's 173 units. Uh, we brought in Morris Ajmi as our architect and design team. Um, they crushed it, did an amazing job. And what we ended up coming up with is a huge, it's a huge project. Right. It's like a huge, huge, almost, it's a nearly uh, half a block, city block, um, base, parking, amenities, lower units, duplexes, et cetera. And then we've got two towers that rise up from the base. Um, the most valuable units obviously are right on the front over the water. Um, behind them, everything else now, for the most part, has a water view. And it took us a lot of coordination to make that happen. 
Um, uh, but with the way the units wrap around the cores of the two towers, um, I think we did a pretty great job. It's an amazing unit mix. There's an assortment of something for everybody. Um, and the amenities are amazing. Like we were able to figure out how to put the pool on an elevated deck so that when you're swimming in the building, it's like you're swimming into Manhattan. Right. You can wave like, at American Copper. Yeah, you can, you can wave at American Copper. Exactly. Um, so that sounds like a project. That's right next to the where they have the, uh, the drive-in movie theater. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. actually, yes. Uh, I was just walking down there. And like where Kanye did his like big thing yep. when he released his last album. Yep, yep, yep. That's a cool spot. Um, I was actually walking by that with uh, my fiance two days ago. It's uh, just interesting. That nice. She was asking me what the project was and now you're answering the question. Yeah, nice. Um, so that project seems like it probably benefited from some of the trends like that came out of COVID. Um, yeah. move, people wanted to move away from center in Manhattan. They wanted to move to Brooklyn. They wanted to have more space. You know, highly amenitized building for, you know, something of a discount so yeah. in terms of trends outside of that what i just mentioned like what were you seeing on like what were developers looking into to de deliver that kind of stuff for um you know high-end renters and, and 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 buyers like what kind of amenity package you said water views kind of build on on that a little bit i mean we're, we're kind of back to an amenity race in in new york city um you know if people are going to buy and spend all this money they want the most for their money. Right. Now, there are great boutique buildings that have very, very little. But look at like the Neftali Towers on the Upper East Side. These are boutique buildings. There's like 10 units, 20 units, 30 units. Um, and they have as many amenities as like a 200-unit building. And everyone thought that was crazy. Guess what? They broke every single sales record under the sun on the Upper East Side because people came in and said, wait, I don't have to walk down insane hallways. I get to only be in a building with people that are like me. Um, and I get my own basketball court. Right. That I'll do that. Sign, sign me up. <laughs> and, and it worked. Right. You know, it worked. It was just nuts. Um, and so uh, we, we we look at the unit mix, right? Unit count. Uh, at the end of the day, the unit owners are going to be paying for these amenities, right? It's all going to come down to the maintenance costs. So you're not going to do a pool in a 30-unit building. The the insurance alone would crush the monthly cost for a building of that size. Like you wouldn't do it, you know. And in New York. By code, you have to have an active lifeguard on duty at all times. Like, who's going to pay that person? Right. Um, uh, so the bigger the building, the more amenities we can do. And so I love big buildings because we can do a lot of really, really cool stuff. You know, and then you're selling the experience. You're selling the lifestyle, not just those, you know, not just the four walls. Sure. Um, uh, uh, and it depends on the area too. Like if we're in an area where there's amazing schools, then we're going to know that there's probably going to be families in the building and that we're going to need things for kids, right? We're going to need things for parents. We're going to need stroller parking, right? Stroller valet. Okay. We're going to need stuff like that. If we're in a predominantly younger area where, you know, you wouldn't be there for kids, you know, like, uh, we do projects all the time, East village, lower East side, not, not to say families don't live there. They do. Obviously it's an amazing spot, but your target market isn't necessarily families. You know, we're doing things, uh, you know, we've got rooms that have like DJ booths. You know, these people are going to have, you know, parties. They're going to be younger. They're thinking about common roof space. They're thinking about Fourth of July. They're thinking about, you know, uh, working from home because they're young professionals. It's all about that target market. Right. So, again, this project seems like it's going to benefit hugely from, you know, that trend we talked about, you know, other trends uh, kind of coming out of COVID, people moving not only to Brooklyn, but completely out of the city, right? So Hudson Valley, Hamptons, I mean, you're, you're kind of hitting on both of those things, part of the tri-state, yeah. New Jersey, uh, Connecticut, yeah. Southern Connecticut, but 
something that I was excited about, you know, hearing more about was, you know, the Neville House project. Um, yeah. We kind of talked originally over email about where that was. So kind of give me, like, geography, give me scale. Um, I want to kind of, one, educate the audience because they probably don't know the project yet. It's it's relatively new. But talk yeah. to me a little bit about, you know, those things and, and, and how you're kind of, uh, it sounds like helping the developer um, scale this project. So Neville House is awesome. Um, uh, Neville House is the name of uh, our developer. They build these custom modern barns, basically, that are modeled after uh, 18th century Pennsylvania Dutch barns. Right. So vaulted ceilings are really, really cool. They're built really, really fast. Um, uh, and so the project we're working on right now, we call Neville House Stone Ridge because they do them everywhere. Um, uh, they buy up a, basically a huge, huge lot, right? Lots and lots of acres. And then they cut up the acreage, five acres for this house, 15 acres for this house. They try to find the best places for all the various properties. Um, uh, and we're, so Stone Ridge is part of the Hudson Valley, you know, North of New York. It's hour 20 hour 30 away, depending on traffic. Right. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of a, almost at like the, yeah, the base of the Catskills, I guess you'd say. Um, and the, the, so basically you're getting a second home. Um, that's like, they're all about, you know, three bedrooms and then you can have add-ons, right? So you could have a garage if you want one, you could have a pool if you want one, you could have the landscaping package if you want one. There's a lot of like fun, like add-ons. It's almost like build a bear, but for houses, which is really, really cool. Um, uh, and they build them just kind of like custom just for you, but you're not changing like kitchen countertops. You're not changing flooring. You're not changing ceiling heights. It's not like a custom build. Like there's these basically these you know kits they they've created the perfect modern barn home um, uh, you know for New Yorkers looking for a place outside the city and you get all this land this brand new house built for you for plus minus two million bucks right you know they start in the high one million dollar range like in like that gets you that gets you a garbage can in the Hamptons and so uh, they're beautiful they're really cool um, and we sell them all on social. And is this, are they restoration? Are they, are they rehabbed or are they, are they no, built new ground construction. up? New construction. New construction. And you can just, you know, say I'm a buyer, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to engage and, and, and buy something from the developer. I can go in and they're given, I'm, I'm picturing like early day toll brothers, like these communities they built outside of like, you know, Philadelphia or like, you know, in, in, in the tri-state, you'd go to them and you can kind of customize within certain confines. Is that kind of the same idea? Yeah, but the, the idea here, too, is, listen, no one wants to do construction. Like, no one wants to do work on your own. Building a custom house is a total pain in the ass. I've been in the middle of it for four years. Never, ever, ever will I ever do it again. Like, it's just, it's it's not worth the time. Like, let someone else do it. And that's what Neville House is, you know, uh, uh, at max, an hour and a half outside New York City right. um, in a beautiful town of Stone Ridge. It's a gorgeous, cute little town. It looks like Mark Twain used to was like used sure. to get coffee in there. Right. Um, you can have uh, you can have private land in the woods by yourself for you know whenever you want to be there. Live there full time. Live there on the weekends. However you want to do it um, for a relatively very very good price, um, and it just works. Like and they're beautiful. They're so cool. And the Hudson Valley is insane. Like just the rolling hills, the views, the sunsets up there. Everything's really, really cool. And I'm sure a lot of the high-end clientele you're working with, you know, the, in the city, that's, it seems like easy, an easy way to cross-pollinate. Like the people that are buying, you know, the projects that you're selling in the city probably would want to have, you know, access to that too. 
Yes. Yep. And that's who the buyer is. Right. Right. It's 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 young families. It's people who, you know, never thought that they were going to need a home outside of the city. And then now they just do, um, you know. Yeah. Um, and you recently moved. Not recently, but you're out in Brooklyn now, too, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. We, we built a townhouse. Well, almost. We're, we, we are in the house, but we are in the process of building it now um, and finishing it. Like completely insane process. Um, Adding that uh, to the da- daily routines probably a lot. Dude, it's a lot, but it's super close to Soho. I love Brooklyn. I never thought I was going to, but right. I I get it now. We sell a lot in Brooklyn, um, but it's really, really, really pretty awesome. There's a reason why people were moving out there during the pandemic. It's close enough. You're far enough away. You're. It's more livable. You have a kid now. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, but it, dude, like we were selling townhouses in Brooklyn like five million bucks which is a lot of money right okay five million bucks brownstone brooklyn like super simple pretty vertical living that house today sells for seven and a half eight million dollars like insane insane because relative value to manhattan to own your own building and own your own earth in new york um it's still a good deal right um so we've covered most of the new york you know tri-state metro area Uh, some of the other markets i mentioned in the opening um you know, where are you kind of excited about? What other projects are you kind of pushing in those markets? How are you scaling the team? Is it the same concept again, like staying on brand, um, consistency? How has that kind of lended itself well to expanding into new markets? Uh, I mean, so far this year, we've gone into Long Island and and the Hamptons, um, and we've gone upstate. Um, By the end of the year, we're expanding into markets in South Florida. We have a bunch of large new development projects, beachfront properties, team members. Uh, building out our South Florida operations. So I'm really excited about that. Wanted to do that my whole life. Um, from there, we're following our course members. We have a massive online education platform. I think we have the best sales training there is out there. Um, and a lot of our course members, our customers are real estate agents and they're part of our brand, they're part of my platform and they will help us get into every other state. Um, and so we're, we're kind of undergoing that expansion plan right now. That's awesome. Are you still partnered up with uh, New York Real Estate Institute? Is that part of that or is it a separate thing within the Sarhan uh, separate, brand? Separate. That, that's a, that was a, um, uh, uh, a pre-licensing kind of bundle package that sure. we're doing. Because I, I, and we do that with CE Shop um, in 38 states too. Like I've always found it very confusing that like you go get your real estate license you pass the test and then you have no idea how to actually sell real estate or make any money. Right. Right. The real estate licensing course does not teach you how to be a real estate agent. It teaches you about the laws in 1967. (laughs) Like that's, it's just a licensing course. Um, but like when you get your driver's license, you actually learn how to drive, right. You know, like you get, you pass your test, you can, you can drive, like you got to drive, you can drive on a highway, you can parallel park. There you go. Every other licensing test, like you can't, Real estate licensing test has nothing to do with how to actually drive right. as a real estate agent. It's nuts. So we created um, uh, a core sales course for how to start and build and expand upon your real estate career, how to structure your day, how to do everything. It's like the ultimate course. It's only six hours. It's everything you need to know on how to sell and how to build a sales career. And so we do that in conjunction. You can get it standalone, um, but in conjunction with getting your license so that you actually know what the hell you're doing. Right. Some practical application behind the actual education. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that makes more sense, right? It's uh, kind of an antiquated 
system like a lot of things in our industry? Yes. Um, all right, this has been super helpful. 2022, you know, Q1 behind us. We have, you know, three quarters coming up. Tell me, you know, what you're most excited about. You know, this has been helpful for the audience. Uh, I want to, you know, wrap up and let you get let you get out of here. But what are you excited about, in, you know, moving forward in 2022? I, dude, I, I, the best day of my entire life hasn't even happened yet. Right. The biggest client that I'll ever have in my entire career, I haven't even met that person yet. Like the best deal I've ever done, the biggest year I've ever had, they haven't even happened yet. Like the future hasn't even been invented. It's not even written. Like that's that's the coolest thing. So I'm so I'm dude, I'm excited for 2022 because every single day is new. Right. And every single day is an opportunity. And when 2022 is over, I'm gonna take what I learned from it and I'm gonna fucking crush 23. Right. <laughs> like exactly. That's the goal. It's awesome. Well, listen, um, this was a great day for me. You know, one of our, our bigger episodes to date. So I appreciate you taking the time to uh you know, speak this morning. Uh, I'll let you get out of here, but yeah, we uh, we really appreciate it, and hope to uh, have you guys share it and and uh, and continue pushing forward. I'm looking forward to 2022 for for you, for me, and for the audience. All right, man, you're the man. Thanks for having me.